listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Wow. We just stand in awe of you this morning, Lord. You are so worthy of it all. Everything that we came in here carrying, we just lay it at your feet. Because you are the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. You're above it all. You reign. You reign. You didn't fall off of your throne. You know exactly what is going on. Whatever I'm carrying, I just lay it at your feet right now. But every crown that I came in carrying, I lay that at your feet too. Because you're worthy of it all. so good to us. You're so holy and you're so faithful. God, we just lean into you this morning. Standing in awe of who you are. Amazed by your presence. Amazed that you would come be with us. You are good. We love you, Father. We surrender to you right now. We surrender to the word that the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts right now. How you're ministering to each one of us, individually yet corporately. We surrender. We surrender. We want your ways. We want your will. We want your kingdom to come. So, Lord, in this moment, I surrender my wills for a greater will, yours. We surrender to you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and you can stay with me, great. Thank you, Jesus. God is good and he's moving. He's moving. Thank you, Jesus. I just have a very simple word for somebody right now, and it is this do not fear. For fear has gripped your heart. That's what I hear. For fear 
has gripped your heart. But you have no reason to be afraid. You have no reason to fear. For God is on your side. Draw near. Draw near. Draw near. Do not fear. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm going to teach this morning from the Word, and and uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's it's nothing I've ever taught on before. Um, but it may make you uncomfortable. Who likes food? You like food? Everyone likes food. I uh, Sean likes food. He was yelling food already today. Food. And nobody's brought you food. Well, maybe this word is for you today. <laughs> We're going to talk about fasting this morning. Yeah, fasting. <laughs> Why is everyone leaving? Just kidding. <laughs> um, in uh, October of last year, I was praying and uh, I was... I was spending some time with the Lord and uh, he gave an instruction to me and he said, I want you to speak on fasting in September of next year. And then I want you to lead the church into a fast in October. Now, before your head goes on tilt, don't worry. We'll talk about these things. I'll, I'll explain more. But, but um, so I, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, what does that even mean? And how do I even do that? And I decided, you know, I'm not going to worry about it until September comes. And then September came and I, I felt it strong. And uh, knowing where our church is at even, um, and, and a transition, a shift that's taking place, um, that, I, that I know that's taking place right now, you can feel it in the atmosphere. And I knew exactly why God had said the timing that he said, um, because he's going to do something new in our midst. And so I want to talk about fasting. Last week, um, we talked about pride. And um, we talked about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself, humble yourself. And one of the ways that you humble yourself is through fasting. And so fasting is one of the spiritual keys that's often placed on low priority. But the more that I've studied it and the more that I've looked into it, the more that I realize it's a high priority. It's a spiritual principle. It's, it's something that even, we'll, I'll show you in scripture, that even Jesus talked about as something that we were to do. But then even recognizing the priority placed on it, that the effects and the benefits of it, which I'll talk about next week, are, are limitless. Fasting is not just not eating. It's not a diet. It's a fasting and prayer. It's a time of worship. It's a time of, of studying. It's a time of consecration spent with God. In Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, When you pray, Jesus was talking. He was giving instruction. And he says, When you pray, verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, 
Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Okay, so Jesus is talking to him and he says, when you pray, as in, this is what followers of Christ do, they pray. So when you pray, right, we all know this, this is what we do, right? It's not sometimes, or if you ever find yourself potentially sometime praying. No, he's saying when you do it, because this is what followers of Christ do. When you pray, this is how you do it. Then he says it again, when you pray. Then in verse 16, he's still talking and he says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that this is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So he says it again, when you fast. In other words, this is what followers of Christ do, they fast. And so it's not just an option. If you sometime at one point find yourself fasting, he says, this is a, this is a mandate. This is what we do. When you're fasting, this is how you'll fast. Fasting is one of the greatest ways to humble yourself. The greatest barrier to getting your prayers answered is pride. We talked about pride last week. The only purpose of pride, someone said this to me last week after church and I I thought it was amazing. The only purpose of pride is destruction. There's no other purpose for pride. It is to bring destruction. That's why we see in the Bible where it says pride comes before a fall. Why? Because it brings destruction to your life. Yet we use pride to protect us. And in our protection uh, with pride, it is causing destruction in our life. Pride is vicious and it's evil. Second Chronicles 26 verse 16, this is um, talking about a king who... starts off, the the chapter starts off of King Uzziah and it says he pleased the Lord and everything went well for him. He followed the Lord. He listened to what the Lord would have for him and he did it and everything, he was prosperous and everything went well. And then you get to verse 16 and look at this. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. Who made him powerful? God did. Why? He was following in the steps of God. But all of a sudden, he got to this place where he's like, hey, look at me, I'm powerful. And it says he became proud. And it led to his downfall, which is what we have to watch for always in our own lives. Pride keeps us back from where we are supposed to be going in the kingdom, and it holds back the blessings of God in those areas in our life. Psalms 138 says, Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. He keeps his distance. You cannot get close in those areas of your life where there's pride. This is... This is why it's important that we humble ourselves. And I don't want to just leave it at this place where I say, humble yourself. And we're like, okay, I got to humble myself. Well, how do I humble myself? 
James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Notice it says, you humble yourself. Humble yourself. That means that takes action. How do I humble myself? He says, you do it. Philippians 2 verse 7 says, this is Jesus. This is about Jesus rather. He says, rather he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. He humbled himself and he became obedient to death. What does that look like for us? That's less of us. That's, that's me dying to myself over and over. That I am obedient. To, you want me to get rid of this, God? Okay, I'm getting rid of it. You want me to move in this? You want me to obey in this? Okay, God. That I would not let my flesh rule. Humility is an essential condition for effective prayer. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, God opposes the proud. This, this verse should scare us. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, there it is again, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So how do we humble ourselves? One of the ways is through fasting. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how they, how they humbled themselves, how the Bible says that they humbled themselves in fasting. In Psalms 35, verse 13, it says, But as for me, this is David, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth, and I humbled my soul with fasting. And I humbled my soul, how? With fasting. And my prayer returned into mine own bosom. When he's talking about soul, he's saying that's his mind, his will, and his emotions, sometimes referred to as heart, my heart. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. What I, how I, what I think, like I think this, I want this, I feel this, that's your soul. Your soul is what needs things, wants things. Your, your soul, um, your soul, if not careful, will try to dictate every single thing about your life and it needs to come under submission to the spirit of God fasting is denying yourself of the pleasure or the wants or the needs that your soul desires one of your one of your soul's biggest uh, your flesh's biggest desires or wants is food and sex And fasting, I mean, you can fast sex. In the Bible, it also says that. We're, we're talking food. But in the Bible, it says if, you want it, if, you, uh, if you're going to fast um, from sex, then you should ask your husband or your wife, are we in agreement with this? And then you can do it. It says, but do it for a short amount of time um, because, because it's not good not to. <laughs> but in food... It's also denying your flesh of what it wants, of what it craves. Okay? 
So fasting actually means in the Hebrew and in the Greek to deny yourself. You are denying your soul of what it wants. In Romans 8, verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Okay? But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So it says that your mind is going to want to rule. It's going to want to conduct itself the way it wants. It's going to want what it wants when it wants it and will want to get it. And it says it does not please God. That, that's not how it should be. But it says the mind that is governed by the spirit, that's living by the spirit, the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and it is peace for you. And then in verse 12, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will die live. Fasting, when you fast, you are denying your flesh of what it wants. And what happens is, is you put your flesh or you put your soul under submission to the spirit where it's supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to live in submission to the spirit. And we live by the spirit. So, so what happens is, is many times when we all of a sudden get to be soul driven, you'll notice it. I, I, I'll notice it when all of a sudden I start to um, follow after what my soul craves or what I want or I want what I want when I want it and whatever. My soul begins to speak louder than the Spirit of God. That is a good indication that you need to fast to get your soul under submission to the Spirit of God where it's supposed to be. Why? Because that is life and peace. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The flesh and the Spirit they are at war with one another. In the Passion Translation, I'm going to read it like this. It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. Isn't that good? When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. We want the Holy Spirit to live free within us, right? I heard an example of this the other day, and I thought it was so good. Um, in, in referring to fasting, 
is you can be hooked up to a massive container of water. Like you have unlimited amounts of water that is, that is available to you, but you have a pipe that's this big and inside that pipe is full of junk, full of, I don't know, rust and soot and I don't know. Uh, when I was a kid, I, um, I was about 12 years old and I really wanted to try smoking and I didn't know, I was like little and so I, took matches and I would put the matches in my mouth, there were wooden matches, put them in my mouth and blow them out and blow the smoke out. But I didn't want my parents to know. And we had a cabin at the lake and so I would take those wooden matches and I threw them down the drain so my parents wouldn't know. Yeah, (laughs) my parents found out when the plumber came because they tried everything like Drano and nothing could get through it. And there was a ton of matches down the drain. So you're, you, are, you have this pipe and it's hooked up to unlimited amount of water, but the pipe is full and all that can get through is this much. You're, you have access to it, but you're full of stuff. And what fasting does is it begins to clean out the parts of, clean out the junk, the parts of the places where we need to get out of the way. It begins to take our soulish things and we move into submission with the Spirit of God. It's a good thing. I'm telling you, wait till next week. You're going to be excited about what fasting does. Not only is it good for you physically, but, but what happens in the Spirit is far more than we could even gauge. I did my first fast ever was 40-day fast. I, I, was, um, I was 30 years old. And I just felt like the Lord was like, it's time for you to begin a fast. And, I, and so I went into this fast first time. I didn't even really know when I began to just research fasting and, and, and recognizing that, I was, that God was calling me into a transition in my life. And things had to be dealt with and things had to be broken and things had to go away in my life. And, and so I went into this and it was the most, I will never forget those 40 days. It was the most special time of my life. The, my, the, my intimacy with God, the prayer, it was, it was crazy. It was intense. But it, but it was a transition. It was a marking in my life that caused me to go. I know Wayne, uh, God called him into um, a fast a couple of years ago, and he didn't know why. I remember him. I'm sorry, Wayne, I'm telling stories about you. Um, I, I remember him saying, like, God's calling me to fast, and I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm just going to start fasting. And he started fasting lunches. And it began a move of God in his heart and his life that he didn't even know was coming. But it changed everything. So it it begins to clean out the stuff so the Spirit of God can be able to move through you. So it says, as you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Holy Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. Come on. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. 
sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get, their, who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment with others uh, when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? He goes, but, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. So we are to align ourselves with the, with the Spirit of God and put our soul under. We align our life, and our soul needs to go under. Okay, I'm going to show you in Leviticus 16... when they would begin to humble themselves that they would go into a fast verse 29 it says this shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month you shall afflict your souls and do not work at all whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you for on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you and you shall afflict your soul. It is a statute forever. That word afflict means to humble. When they said they would afflict their, their souls, they were humbling themselves. Okay? On, on this day, the day of atonement, when they would afflict their souls, they understood that afflicting meant fasting. That they would fast, that they would deny themselves. And they called it afflicting their souls. In Acts 27, Acts 27, Paul refers to the Day of Atonement and he calls it, uh, 27 verse 9, and he calls it the fast. The fast. So they would afflict their souls by fasting. Ezra 8.21 says, There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children. With all our possessions, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So he says, we fasted to humble ourselves before God. We fast to humble ourselves before God. And then it says, we, we, we petitioned God. We we're for safety. We petitioned God, and he answered our prayers. Whenever you are going into a transition in your life, whenever, whenever God is calling you to something, it is a good thing to begin to fast. 
it's a good thing to begin to fast. When God is calling you from one season to another. Another one like Esther, um, they went into fasting because they were, God had called them, that God had called um, her to stand before the king. She was literally going and she says, I might die. But she got into it, but she had gone into a fast to prevent disaster from happening. And because the Lord was calling her into this, look at this, Esther 4, verse 14. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Ezra told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. You know you can fast for somebody else. She says, and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. They all went into a time of fasting for their people. And she went before the king and God turned the situation. She wasn't supposed to be able to just approach the king, but yet they all went into this time of fasting and prayer. This was a turning point for an entire nation. Fast when there is a problem or you're needing an answer from the Lord. When you're not sure exactly what you're supposed to be doing and you need an answer, it's a good time to fast because it clears that space where your soul may be talking louder. It clears that space. Second uh, Chronicles 20 verse 3 says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Every time King Jehoshaphat faced something and he needed an answer from the Lord, he always started fasting. In Acts 13, you see the church um, and their... They're choosing who to send out. Verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, who had been brought up with Herod uh, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. When you are choosing someone to marry, you should fast. Now, if you didn't fast before you got married, stay married. <laughs> you're not, I need to go back and fast. But, but come on, this is someone you're joining your life with. And you know what happens is our soul can like to speak louder, like that girl's hot, right? That guy is good looking. Yes, I want to be with them. And you know when they say love is blind? Yeah. You want to make sure that you're hearing from the Lord. When, when, when you're maybe going into another job or going into a business or moving to a city or, or you think you want to make sure that your soul is not in charge of making the decisions. You want to bring your soul under submission. And so you see this in the church when they were choosing people to, to bring around them. They chose elders. They, they would go into a fast to make sure they were making the right decision, that they had the mind and the heart of God on the matter. 
Look at this one. First Kings 21. Um, I'm sure, I think most of us know the story of Jezebel and Ahab. This is, um, this is Elijah talking to Ahab. He says, so my enemy, you have found me, Ahab explained to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered. I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I am going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Basha, son of Ahijah, for you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. This is what God's saying to Ahab. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. He says, there was nobody else wicked like Ahab. And so God shows up and says, I am angry, and this is what's going to happen. Look at this. His worst outrage, this is Ahab's worst outrage, was worshiping idols just as the Amorites had done and people whom the Lord had driven out of the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this message that God was going to destroy him, when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, and he fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has, what? Humbled himself before the Lord? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons, but I will destroy his dynasty. God made a judgment against Ahab and said, this is what's going to happen. I'm bringing destruction. They said there was nobody as evil as Ahab. But then Ahab hears this word from the Lord. He humbles himself and God changes the judgment on him. Says, okay, it won't happen to you. It'll happen to your sons, but it won't happen to you. Come on, look at the power of this. So then you have Jonah in Nineveh. Jonah shows up and he pushes a, puts a judgment on an entire group of people. This is what the Lord says. He's bringing destruction. And the whole, the, the whole place, they all, it says even the animals, all of them, they go into fasting. And they begin to humble themselves. And then what does God do? He changes the judgment. Made Jonah really mad. But he changes the judgment. Because the people humbled themselves by fasting. I wrote here, can you imagine what would happen when us, the children of God, began fasting for our city, for our nation? Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, we know this verse. But it says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. 
See, say, humble. They humble themselves. What's God been talking to us about? Humble yourself. It's time to humble yourself. Pray. Seek, seek my face and turn from my wicked ways. I heard, um, I can't think of his name, but I can't think of his name, but he said, the closer that you get to his face, or you may think that you have no wicked ways in you, but the closest, closer that you get to the light of his face, the closer that you recognize that there's more that needs to come out of you. And that's why humbling yourself, praying, seeking his face, this is the most important things that we can do right now. And then he says, when you do that, I will hear. I will forgive and I'll heal your land. Joel verse two, or Joel chapter two, verse 12 says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, and he's slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And then you go down to verse 28, and it says this, Then, after doing all those things, then after doing what? Fasting. After doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon my people. And your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. So I began to study fasting, right? And I began to realize that God was taking us had ordained this time on purpose. And next week we'll talk about what happens when we fast. But we began last week talking about pride and, and getting the junk out of the way, moving out of the way. You, you have trouble moving out of the way? Fast. But, but God was talking to us about moving out of the way, getting, out, getting ourselves out of the way so that he could move. And this morning as I was praying, he brought the, the reminder of prep, it's preparation time. It's time to get prepared. And he took me to one of my favorite stories. And uh, as I was praying this morning, he reminded me of, it's in Second Chronicles and it's Hezekiah. Hezekiah becomes king, Right? And he begins to go in and clean up the temple. There has been defilement after defilement. The temple's closed. It's just, there is defilement that has happened in the temple of the Lord. And Hezekiah comes in and he brings the people and he's like, this is what we need to do. We need to clean up the temple. And as I was reading it this morning, in fact, I think it's even in uh, the translation that I was reading where he says, uh, they made the preparations. They began to make the preparations for the spirit of the Lord. And this is what it says at the end of it. 
after they had done, they consecrated themselves. And it says, so the service of the house of the Lord was established again. And then he goes, then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced of what God had prepared for the people. God had prepared. We are getting into preparation for what? For what God has prepared for us. We are moving into some of the greatest days of our life where we will see the spirit of God move. My prayer today for all of us is that in our hearts, expectancy would begin to happen again. Where we have come into this season when we walked into 2020, what the enemy had endeavored to do is get your eyes off of what God was doing and try to steal the passion, try to steal the expectancy, get your eyes on off of what God was doing and get your eyes on the other things. And God says, listen to me, this morning expectancy within your very core is being released. Is being released. Now look it. As we get into preparation for what God is doing, okay? So he goes, then Hezekiah and the people rejoiced because of what God had prepared for the people for the thing came about suddenly. For it came about suddenly. I want to be prepared for what God is about to do. Amen? Amen. 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 This is exciting. This is exciting times. And so I wanted to, I wanted to teach on fasting because it's, it's not even something I really grew up with much. I knew about it. But, but it is one of the most amazing things, and it is something that we're supposed to do. So what we're going to do is in October, we've affectionately called it the October Fast. <laughs> the world has the October Fest. We have an October Fest. Yeah, fast. Um, but what we're going to begin to do is we're, we're going to, the day after Thanksgiving, we're going to go into a 21-day fast. And, and you can join us. I'm not, there's no, we're not forcing you to join us. You don't have to. Um, but I would, I would um, encourage you to pray and ask God about this. Um, but we're going to go into a fast, and, and we'll talk more about the details about it next week because there's lots of different ways of fasting. I know people have medical conditions, and there's lots of different things or ways. We don't all have to do it the same way. But what we're doing is we're consecrating ourselves to what God is saying, hey, this is what I want for you to do. Adam, I want you to fast like this. Joan, fast like this. But that we are all together corporately, because they corporately fasted in the Bible as well. There's individual fasting and there's corporate fasting. That they corporately fasted together, or that we will corporately fast together as a time of seeking God and separating ourselves and saying, okay, I'm preparing myself for what you have for us. I'm submitting myself to your will. So, um, and not necessarily um, does it have to be no food and, you know, like, unless God's saying that for you, do that, okay? Um, I know some people have said to me, I um, believe God's telling me to fast sugar. I had to stop sugar, um, lots of different ways. So don't get into a pound and be like, I can't not eat, you know? <laughs> don't make it law. I, I remember when I was, uh, when I went into my 40-day fast, which was all liquids, and I had texted a friend who had done a 40-day fast, and I said, okay, like, 
what about this? And what about this? Am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed? And she was kind of at first answering me back like, well, yeah, you could do that or you could do that. And she's like, hey, you just need to ask God what he wants you to do. I'm not fasting under her. And she says, because if you begin to make this law, it, there's no grace where there's law. So you need to ask God what it is. Um, and maybe for some of you, you need to begin to prepare yourselves now. Just begin to prepare your hearts, begin to ready yourselves for it. Um, by ready yourself, I don't mean eat all the food. <laughs> it's like McDonald's. <laughs> Five cheeseburger meal, please. <laughs> Um, but but there, are easy, there are ways to ease into it. Maybe God is calling you to stop coffee. And he's saying, hey, drop the coffee. Um, you know, there's often, if you're a coffee-aholic, there's often headaches that come when you stop coffee. And so maybe you want to start dropping your cups, your amount of coffee that you have in a day. Amen, Cliff. Amen. I see his wife like the Holy Spirit right beside you. Hey, Cliff. Um, so you may want to just begin to prepare yourself um, in what God is doing. For this time, though, we are beginning to set our set our um, self aside and begin to seek God as to what are you asking of me. And I'm telling you, these are exciting, exciting, exciting days ahead. As next week we talk about um, what happens when we fast. Adam. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.